right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Higher Journeys. I am your host, Alexis Brooks, and I am so delighted that you have decided to join me today. Well, out of all the subjects that we have covered over the years on Higher Journeys and in excess of 200 videos at this point, one subject that we have yet to cover until today, that is, is remote viewing. What is it? How does it work? And how is it that this is something that is said that anyone can learn? Well, in order to really get into this subject and answer these questions from a perspective you may or may not have heard before is my longtime and one of my favorite guests of all time, Billy Carson. Among many other talents, Billy is also a well-seasoned remote viewer and in fact was trained by uh, one of the, the most well-known remote viewers uh, out there, Major Ed Dames. So we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be dealing and digging into some of the aspects of this uh, very, very interesting uh, phenomenon and, and quite real uh, is the idea of time and precognition and whether we realize it or not when we have precognition are we actually remote viewing across timelines very interesting thing but that's just one of several areas that we covered we also will talk about are some people more wired or have more of a proclivity uh, for esp than others and if so how does that work and then we're also going to dig into the idea of ethics when using remote viewing in other words if a person has ill will or ill intent in remote viewing or a remote viewing process, could that affect the outcome or the accuracy of the remote viewing? And what Billy has to say may surprise you. So I'm really excited about this episode and I, I hope that you will be as well. A couple of things before we get started. I want to remind you, please, please subscribe to Higher Journeys if you enjoy these shows. We want to get the word out about uh, the topics that we cover, the subjects that we cover, and in many cases, some of the interesting approaches that we take in the things that we cover. So we always appreciate a subscribe and hit that like button if you like the episode. We do appreciate it. YouTube does as well. I also, I'm so excited, want to give a shout out to Feedspot and blog.feedspot.com. I had quite the surprise several days ago when I was informed that their panel uh, just selected Higher Journeys as one of the top 25 metaphysical podcasts that you must watch in 2020. I'm somewhat familiar with Feedspot, and I know some of the other shows that have been, uh, or podcasts, I should say, that have been featured uh, as uh, award winners on Feedspot. So I was quite honored and surprised that they reached out to me and let me know uh, that Higher Journeys was recently selected. So thank you, Feedspot. I do appreciate it. And uh, I couldn't do it without the journeyers. They got my back. So thank you. Okay, I think that's about it. Uh, let's get on with the show, shall we? Here's my guest, Billy Carson. We're talking remote viewing. Billy Carson, glad to have you back. I could do it daily. I could have you on daily, and I know our junior family would be happy to see you uh, if it were daily, weekly, but you're, you're back today, and I'm happy about that. We've got so much going on, and I want to get right into it because we're going to do a bit of an abbreviated episode today, and we're, I'm telling you right now, juniors, we're going to have, uh, we're going to extend this uh, as we typically do with the after show, but what we're going to be talking about in the after show 
we're not going to be able to talk about here, if you know what I mean. And when I say you're going to want to do this one, this if you do no other after show, do this one. Um, because we're going to be talking about remote viewing, let's just get right into the juice here. What we're going to be talking about, we're, I, I don't know if you know this, but Billy, among many other talents that he has, is a, a very, very well-seasoned remote viewer. In fact, he was actually trained by Major Ed Dames, a name that uh, any of you that are familiar with the modality we call remote viewing, or that is seeing at a distance remotely, would know the name uh, Major Ed Dames. So I, I don't know that I even knew that, Billy, that you were trained in by this uh, very well-seasoned man. Yeah, yes. It's uh, something that, you know, I don't bring up a lot, but um, uh, a gentleman that I know, uh, you know, he approached me and we had did a couple of workshops together and he found out about it. He was like, we got to bring this to the world. Are you, you know, are you willing to teach some people? And I said, sure. You know, and I sent them a photo of me and that James uh, just hanging out and stuff. And he was like, I can't believe this. What haven't you done? What haven't you done? <laughs> I've done a but, few things. I've done, I've been fortunate. I've been able to do a few things in this dimension and with this, in this avatar body, you know. Which uh, is a cool and, thing. Uh, yeah. You know, really just a, a thing that I found um, surfing through the internet one day and I came across a remote viewing website. And it said to uh, do an aptitude test for it. And I did the aptitude test and uh, my first target ever on just a whim was so close to accurate that I was like, wow, there really is something here. Uh, and that's when I uh, then reached out to Major Ed Dames because after I started researching and I found this guy was like one of the leaders in the whole field of, um, uh, of remote viewing. And I found out also he was going to be retiring soon. So I said, wow, I got to get a hold of this guy. I want to sit down with him. And I literally hunted and found him. And uh, I spent quite a bit of time with him. Uh, and I learned a lot, a great deal. And now I'm going to bring some of that knowledge to, uh, to an exclusive amount of students and give them the opportunity and the benefit of learning what I learned. Well, we're going to get into that. And that, of course, is the impetus for how we put this conversation together. I wanted the journeyers here to know that there's uh, that Billy is going to be doing a workshop. Essentially, we're going to have all the details. It's I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's Saturday, December 5th, uh, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern time. And when uh, Billy and I uh, had a nice chat over, I think, over the weekend, a couple days ago. I mm -hmm. lost track of days and time, but yeah. not that long ago. And you had mentioned that you're uh, doing this workshop. And I thought we we got to have you on to talk about this. this is, I don't think I've ever had a show discussing remote viewing before. Mm -hmm. I don't think. And right. obviously it fits under the auspices of higher journeys and the subjects that we cover. And it's mm -hmm. quite interesting, also quite controversial. Uh, yeah. But it is uh, something I think that's picking up steam in terms of modalities and people really wanting to tap their own abilities. You know, remote viewing is something that uh, it's said can be taught, even though some people may have more of a proclivity uh, toward it than others. Uh, not everyone's going to be a Michael Jordan or however, uh, whatever the, the the term of the day, Tiger Woods, whatever. But you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. And you're going to be taking four hours to help folks out uh, and learn about it. So let's get let's get right into it. I want to talk about remote viewing, mm -hmm. how to remote view and use ESP. Right. Uh, for those that don't know, and I have a feeling most of you out there very well read, do know that there is a history to remote viewing in our own U.S. government. Um, you 
may know the name, uh, both Russell Targ and Hal Puthoff, uh, famously associated with the Stanford Research Institute, or SRI, back in the 70s. They were part of a very controversial yet uh, um, well-funded, I might say, remote viewing program um, sponsored by the government. Mm -hmm. This has been declassified uh, some years later. So this information is readily available on the net, but there's still are probably quite a few folks that don't realize that the government has openly, well, not openly, but now (laughs) they've made it available for people to know that they in fact invested some dollars in the uh, remote viewing capacity or capability for the purposes of military applications. No surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you have you had a chance to interact with either Russell uh, Targ or Hal Putoff? No, I in- didn't. Uh, I would have loved to have met Ingo Swan. Of course, yes. Uh, who was the uh, teacher of uh, at Major Ed Dames? Uh, literally was his instructor and his the lead of his team initially. Um, unfortunately, he passed away before I can get a chance to meet him. But that was really, yeah. really like a dream of mine. After I got really deep into it, I really wanted to meet him. I mean, he was off the charts. Off the charts. I'm yeah. sure you read his book, Penetration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible. We, yeah, we <laughs> you know, brought really that. How powerful the mind is. Yeah. 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 He's, he's definitely the superstar in this. And I think there's a little bit of a a back and forth as to who actually coined the term remote viewing. Was it Russell and Hal or uh, Ingo Swan back when he was working in the very early 70s at the uh, American Society for Psychical Research? I'm very familiar. And I, too, wanted to meet him. He was quite a card. I mean, very irreverent, uh, very straightforward, very troubled, went through a lot. Yeah, Um, you can tell. Um, Yeah. 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 But, you know, when you get when you're able to gain that much knowledge, sometimes it's hard to contain that and also deal with this regular third dimension mundane life because that stuff is just so out there. I mean, I remember in 1973, he used uh, his mind to travel to Jupiter mm-hmm. and he then detected the rings around Jupiter. And he mm-hmm. wrote Jupiter and people were like, what rings around Jupiter? There's no rings around Jupiter. And we didn't discover them until Voyager sent images back in 1979, the Voyager 1 mission. So, um, (laughs) listen, that's incredible uh, that he was able to detect something that was there before modern science even knew it existed. Uh, So this man was really a true remote viewer, really powerful. And his techniques uh, were handed down. And they're really, really sound techniques. Mm -hmm. What makes, Billy, you think some people more naturally attuned to these sorts of things, let's say broadly ESP. This is a question I've posed before, and I I don't think it's an open and shut case or a, I think it's a loaded question, but in your estimation, I mean, for instance, you took this, uh, this assessment and determined, it was determined that you do in fact have uh, an aptitude, high aptitude for something like remote viewing, among other things. Why? What is it the way some people are wired? Is it their DNA? Is it their blood type? What do you think? I think it's the way that your brain is wired and configured. You have uh, these neurolits, these neurocorrelates of consciousness. They, the actual name of these tr- three giant nerves that wrap around the inside of the skull. They actually look like a crown of thorns. <laughs> if you know the biblical story of Jesus walking around with a crown of thorns, it's more allegorical to talking about these three neural co- correlates of consciousness, these gigantic neurons that look like a crown of thorns inside 
the brain and also then know they interact with the magnetite crystals at the yes. base of the brain uh and what the purpose of these two things are along with the uh neocortex you know neo from matrix that's why they call them neo it's neocortex higher spatial reasoning higher understanding higher understanding uh, obtaining higher levels of consciousness uh along with those nerves and the uh, magnetite crystals allow you to directly um uh, I guess, discern a feed of information that exists in space-time all around us. We had a conversation about two years ago, uh, Juniors, Billy and I, and it, I believe, uh, it, obviously it's still on YouTube, where we talked about this idea of magnetite crystals in our brains being sort of um, a form of receiver. Now, I'm speaking out of school. I don't know as much, nearly as much as Billy does, but based on his thesis and how if we can excite those magnetite crystals in our brains, we're <clears throat> literally more tethered, not only to um, frequencies that will allow ma uh, a manifestation, but the, literally the magnetosphere. And so mm -hmm. I, I said to Billy, I wonder if I were to create a little bit of an instrument and do a meditation with this, could I possibly uh, excite the magnetite in my own brain? And so this is what I came up with. And I think that based on how you're wired or based on how sensitive that device is, because it really is a device. The human body is the most sophisticated, advanced technology that we know of. There's nothing we've created that's more advanced in the human body. And I think that this device that's inside of our skull uh, can be uh, slightly more sensitive to uh, this uh, etherical grid of data, this Akashic record field of data than other people's um, you know, devices. So it just depends on how it's wired. And another way to give you more evidence that this is possible, if you look at a person that's been considered a natural born killer, uh, there are people that kill not because it's just that they wanna kill people. There's people out there that kill because they can't stop themselves from killing because their brain is wired that way. Inside the frontal lobe, uh, that's there's a set of nerves that stop you from acting out things that could be detrimental to others and yourself. Now, if you're born with a deformed frontal lobe, which actually happens, any part of the human body can be born deformed. You can then not stop yourself from cursing somebody out, from attacking somebody, even from killing somebody. Uh, it's unfortunate that somebody could be born that way, but it actually happens, scientifically proven that it happens. Mm -hmm. Are wired so many different ways, um, and you know this, um, you know uh, this this ability to remote view can be taught to everyone. But just like in basketball, you have Michael Jordan, and then you have you know other players that were on the team. Mm -hmm. You know B.J. Armstrong. I mean B.J. Armstrong got got himself some championship rings, but he's not Michael Jordan. Right. He went through that funneling process to get to that level, and he worked his butt off but there's still, still always going to be somebody that's just a little bit better, you know? That was uh, beautifully explained. You know, when, when you think of uh, individuals, unfortunately, that are born with brain deformities having to do with the frontal uh, temporal, temporal lobe, mm -hmm. um, it makes me think of Tourette syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, people that have these uncontrollable movements. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in some cases, it's swearing. It's not just physical movement, it'll be words that'll come out of someone's mouth. 
This is probably more common than we know in a variety of forms, but that's a great analogy or not, not even analogy. That's, that's more than an analogy. Uh, interesting. But the bottom line is, and this is what's important and important for you all to know uh, if you're interested in signing up for Billy's workshop, which again, we'll have more details on is it can be taught. And, I have been rocking this for a while, Billy, that I feel particularly in the last year with all the tumult going on in the midst of this, we are living in a metaphysically potent time. Many feel that the veils uh, between this dimension and others are thinning, maybe even gone, and are dipping our toes into the the waters of phenomena are, um, are a lot more plausible. We're able to do it. So things like remote viewing and and uh, any kind of psychic uh, capacity or psi or what I call metanormal uh, activity, mm-hmm. I think we're ripe for now. So I think the timing is perfect. What? Why are you doing this now? Let me just put that out to you. Why are you doing this workshop now? I really feel that it's done a lot for me in my life, not just because it gives me ability to try to find things that I lost or something like that, but like... I just really want to be able to experience the universe, not just this little mundane area that they've given me on this map, geologically located on this tiny little planet. I want to be able to experience places that I may not get to in my lifetime. And I found through remote viewing, I literally can go anywhere, you know, and Thoth talks about this in the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. And that's what I wrote about my book, Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, where he literally uh, takes his mind and travels to other planets. He travels because, and because the mind is outside of space and time, he's able to watch civilizations rise and fall. I mean, think about how long it takes. He would travel from planet to planet watching civilizations rise and fall. He would remote view information and gather information from the Akashic record field and incorporate that into his teachings of the people. And so my thing is, how can I be more like you know, my mentor, which I believe both is my mentor, uh, a fractal of his knowledge became a fractal of my knowledge because of me studying and reading his work. So really, in essence, his consciousness has been transferred directly into me and anybody else that reads the material. And what I learned was if you gain this level of information and you find that it actually has a benefit to you and it can help you in many different ways, pass it on to others and give them the opportunity uh, you know, uh, back in the day, it used to be adept initiates that were handpicked. Now you're handpicking yourself by saying, you know what? I raised my hand. I want to take part in this event. I want to learn about this. And one of the biggest things me, for example, when I say it took me out of this little area that I'm on in this planet, when I started doing um, anomaly hunting of space anomalies, uh, when I, you know, before I had the whole organization, United Family of Anomaly Hunters, we, I would download images from NASA, the European Space Agency, the Russian space agency. Uh, and I would actually take those images into my computer, analyze each image centimeter by centimeter until I found things that look out of place. And I said, you know what? This takes a long time. I'm taking eight, nine hours a night to find one or two things in all these images, dozens and dozens of images. What if I remote viewed these images, made them targets, and then went look and then picked out the anomalies. And then all of a sudden I was picking out anomalies like water coming out of a faucet. I was going right to them. And I had joined this little group on Facebook and I was like the newcomer and I was feeling my way around and learning how to find these anomalies and we would document them and we would post them. And all of a sudden I went from posting like one a week to like four or five a day. And people were like, what in the world? Like I went from like, you know, the worst to almost the best. 
Um, and, you know, we ended up forming the United Family of Anomaly Hunters. And a lot of our findings now, we've documented 58,000 anomalies. Oh, my goodness. Out of over six, out of over 1 million images uh, downloaded from the space agencies. Are um, other people in the group using the same approach? Are they also using RV? No, I'm the only one that's using RV. They're all using just a standard old-fashioned technique of hunting. I'm the only one that uses remote viewing. Uh, but I can find just as many as them and more in a much shorter period of time. Uh, now, some of them are more skilled with the imagery and able to do the, you know, adjust the contrast and things like that to show the different enhancements and show what's there and what's not there. But as far as finding the anomalies, I can literally find them because I remote view them. I set each image has a, has a name, uh, usually a random group of numbers and letters. Well, not random to, to them, but random to me because I don't know exactly what it means on their server. That becomes my target number. So those I set as target numbers. I don't look for. I don't look at the images first. I only look at the file names first, and each file name becomes an actual target. So without actually ever looking at the image, I'm now accessing the target using my remote viewing and finding all the anomalies on the target or as many as I can, and then I get the image, pull it down, and then I go in that image and I go right to each anomaly within seconds and start <laughs> downloading the you know squaring them off, cropping them out, and documenting them. Yeah. I think Ingo Swan would have wanted to meet you. Never mind <laughs> you wanting to meet him. I don't know what the uh, the average success rate is for remote viewing across the board, but I know it's pretty wobbly. It's you know, yeah. what is it? I it, you know, it could be it could be a 40, 60, 40 percent. You got it right, sixty percent. You got it wrong because the mind has a lot to play in it. So the way I was taught by Major Ed Dames is the, for example, the second that in an image, a sound, a smell, because all this takes, you can smell, you get sounds and all this comes in. You need to document it immediately. This is why you're never completely out. You have to be in a semi daydream and awakened state. You've got a notepad and a pen in your hand or a pencil, and you're literally getting information and writing it, documenting it, getting information and documenting it. Because if you wait past an extra second, even an extra half a second past the download. Now the brain is could could add things mm -hmm. that don't that that just ambiguous things that didn't have anything to do with the download. Absolutely, and fill in the the holes, if you will. We tend to do that anyway, and in, in whether it's dreaming, meditation, mm -hmm. any type of visualization exercise, the brain, yeah. the, particularly the left hemisphere of the brain, gets in the way. Yeah. Here's a question: that, Out of every question I've been wanting to ask, and I've got many on which we won't be able to get to all of them. This is probably the one that's the most exciting to me. Can we remote view across timelines? Mm -hmm. Let's let's look at the idea, the theory that time is nothing more than a construct, and at minimum, past, present, and future are all happening at the same time, simultaneous time. Yeah. Well, it would seem to me that if that's the case, we would be able to remote view past as well as future. And frankly, as I as I went through this thought process, Billy, I thought to myself. I wonder if we're having spontaneous remote viewing, but we're calling it precognition. Right. That's exactly what's happening. We are all at some point having these experiences because our consciousness is literally syncing with data and information that exists in space time and we're downloading it. Sometimes we can discern it. Sometimes we're not too, too attuned to discern, discerning it, but you can um, remote view across 
space and time because time is a construct. It's an, <laughs> it's an invisible uh, imaginary error that we attribute to the third dimension so we can um, locate ourselves. However, the thing about it when you remote viewing uh, across time is remote viewing doesn't know what time is. And because the past, present, and future are really happening all at once in higher dimensions, uh, then what happens is you can't go to a specific date. If anybody says they remote viewed a specific date, then they're just making that up. They're lying to you. Nobody can remote view. A now, you can remote view a specific event. You can see an event coming on the horizon, and you can sense it from the ripple effect that it has uh, in space-time. You can remote view the event and take down notes about that event, specific notes, but you can't isolate the exact date and time of that event or when it's going to happen. But what you can do is what he taught us is you can actually start documenting other smaller events that lead up to that big event so that you have a marker knowing, Oh, this happened and we're getting closer. Oh, now this one happened. Now we're getting closer. That makes so sense. Yeah. You won't get the exact date and time, but you will have markers like landmarks leading you up to the event and you'll know when the event's close. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, that, that's something that I've always taken issue with individuals, particularly that practice uh, forms of divination as an example. Oh, there's that sound again. Like, guys, I don't know if you can hear this. I'm, I just got zapped with this, this crazy static wow. <laughs> that's going on. Weirdness. So forgive me. I just jumped because it just it's kind of arbitrarily popping in and out. I don't want to lose my train of thought. So forgive me. Hopefully you guys won't be able to hear this. Um, the idea of let's say somebody's getting a reading and you know we're so the best of us are so still preoccupied with time that you know as an example in tarot uh and you're seeing a lot of tarot readings on youtube these days which is very interesting fascinating uh but they'll have monthly you know uh your your reading for the month of november and so forth and i always say toss that Toss that you're 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 really playing by rules that don't exist in tarot and other forms of divination. Really, all of them, because yeah. tarot does not know time. Just like remote viewing does not know time. That's right. Uh, you know, the higher mind does not operate by the by the confines of time. Yeah. So, giving a reading and saying something is going to happen here in November, mm -hmm. you know, unless they're using another measurement like you like you uh, intimated, I think that's brilliant. But we need to let go of this notion of time. And I think that can really color the information that we're getting to begin with. Right. And yeah, yet, like, for example, there's this big thing. I've gotten probably two or three hundred DMs and emails about a event that's supposed to happen December 21st, 2020. Yes. Yeah. Guys, when they give you a date, just forget about it. It's not going to happen. That's Nobody interesting. can give you the date. Yeah, well, you know that's an interest. That's an interesting thing. I'm somewhat familiar with what's happening on uh, December 21st, or what's said to be happening, uh, much like what happened in January of 2020 with the cosmic conjunction. Mm -hmm. uh, they had it not only down to the precise date, but the time being 12:34. Well, I believe we were both in Australia. I was in Uluru. I will say something did happen then. So. Something happened energetically. Yeah. Now, energetic things will happen, but for them to say that there's going to be three days of darkness and all this stuff. That oh, yeah. Well, yeah, those, those kind of details. I don't think that's going to happen. 
Okay, I see what you're saying. There is always going to be if there is alignments, you're going to have energetic uh, interactions because now you're talking about gravitational waves. You're talking about cosmic rays, uh, radiation, different levels of radiation, and all those things take part in altering and modifying even human DNA on a consistent basis. You have different muons and nuons and all these things passing through your body, and at certain times you have more than less of them coming you know, flying through space, which penetrate every DNA, every strand of DNA in your body. They penetrate solid rock, you know, and, and everything else. So um, things will happen energetically on certain alignments. There's no doubt about that. And it can cause even levels of awakening and everything else. Mm-hmm. But the things when they're saying they're going to, you know, the sun's going to go backwards and it's going to be dark for three days and all this kind of stuff. If you put a date on that, I don't know. That's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty, right. Big, big people in the community that keep putting specific dates on things. Can't resist it. They can't resist it. There's something about our habituation toward time, all of us really, to an extent. And because people are so pressed for time, mm-hmm. uh, they want to know when something's going to happen. You know, um, It also it, allows people to make a lot of money sometimes. Yeah, yeah. They play on people's emotions and they provide these solutions and then people flock to that and they pay for it or they buy it and then nothing ever happens and they go, oh, and then they always have another excuse and it's going to be now it's on this date. And they keep leading them over and yeah. over, you know, you know, it's unfortunate, but it happens. It does happen. Well, getting back to the core of remote viewing, you know, I've always, particularly with any any modality that we're not completely familiar with, it seems to be foreign territory uh, it, it ultimately isn't, but it's something that we're practicing. The idea of ethics comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when we think about, as an example, the government and some of the experiments that they historically have conducted for the purposes of warfare and military operation, mm-hmm. I would dare say there's an ethical issue there, ultimately. Uh, I guess the question I want to get to is how, what role do ethics play in the efficacy of, or the accuracy of remote viewing mm-hmm. uh, experiments, not experiments, but just the process of remote viewing? Can it actually inhibit, let's say somebody has a, an ill will motivation, yeah. can that inhibit the effectiveness of the remote view? Well, unfortunately, no, because in this universe, we have yin and yang, and we have the dark, and we have the light, and any skill any modality, any uh, extrasensory ability that you have can be used for either dark or light. Bo talks about this in, in, in the Emerald Tablets. I talked about it in my book extensively because he talks about the Dark Brothers. And they are, they are adept initiates that have the power, that have the knowledge, and have all the wisdom. But for whatever reason, they chose the dark side. This is where you get, you know, uh, the story of Star Wars, for example. You have, uh, you know, you have the Jedi who have, you know, are using the source and the power and the light. And you have then, you uh, you know, you have the um, the empire or whatever that's using it for darkness. And that's a real thing. And so in remote viewing, you now have a conscious decision to make. And just as any decision you make in, in your lifetime is going to have one of the hermetic principles involved, cause and effect. So every decision you make that you act on is going to have a consequence. 
it'll be a good consequence or it could be a bad consequence, but there will always be a consequence because of the law of cause and effect. And so because of that, you have a, a you have the responsibility of using your your talents, whatever they may be, for the light, for for the goodness of yourself and for humanity and others. Uh, but people, un unfortunately, because this is, this is a free world, a free um, uh, a free thought universe. You know, you can make up your own mind. You can do whatever you want. Free will universe. I'm sorry. So what happens is, if I decide that I want a remote view and I want to use it for things that maybe are not that ethical, unfortunately, there's nothing that can stop me from doing that. You know, um, it's just like if I if I know how to break open safes. Now I can make a business out of that. And when people call me because they're locked out of their safe, I can go to their home and I can help them crack their safe open. They'll pay me a fee and I can put that money in my bank. Or I could take that same exact you know, safe cracking skill and I can sneak into banks and I can crack this bank at the safe, uh, the safe at the bank, and I can steal the money out of the safe. If both ways I get money, but one's dark and one's light. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's up to the, 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 the person their own consciousness, their own level of self-value, self-worth, their own level of unconditional love for others uh, in the true uh, light that's inside of them uh, to make the right decision or do they choose, you know, to go to the dark side, you know? So, I was so. hoping the answer would be different and yet I should, I should have known better as I think about all of the historical misuse of occult practices broadly speaking as an example yes. uh yeah no you're absolutely right and yet i still feel billy that somehow karma will make its way into the the scenario mm -hmm. so I, I don't want to focus too much on that but i you know i remember last year i was at the awakening conference in the uk and uh, so so sorry that didn't get to happen this year but I had introduced uh, Richard Dolan's lovely wife, Tracy Garbett Dolan, who gave, I believe, one of her, maybe the first major lecture she gave on remote viewing. She happens to be a very adept remote viewer as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. She hasn't done a lot of work on it, I don't think, but she did speak about it uh, at the conference and I introduced her and then we had a chance to spend some time on stage afterwards and just kind of do a Q&A. And I, we brought up the ethical issue and she spent some time talking about that uh, certainly, you know, I, I like to think that our audience would only be using it for ethical purposes, but whomever happens to be watching this show. Um, okay, so you got some information, but I certainly hope that you will exercise best judgment if you should decide uh, to uh, practice what we call remote viewing. Tell us a little bit about what's coming up on December 5th. The remote viewing conference. You're not going to quite do a, a, a marathon, but four. It's a four-hour deal, so it's a pretty, pretty comprehensive uh, workshop. Yeah, Can you give us a little thumbnail about what you're yeah, going to be covering? Five hours now. So um, basically, what I'm going to do because I like to explain the science of things before I get into the the guts of it, because I want people to understand why remote viewing works. Uh, I want to take away the mysticism behind it and the question marks behind it. Is this some kind of psychic ability? As a matter of fact, it's not a psychic ability. Uh, actually, Major Ed Dames uh, actually detests the term psychic ability. He doesn't like mm -hmm. psychics to be involved because he thinks that they add too much of what their own mind wants to bring to it, not what the universe is directly giving them. 
it's a more this is a more of a tactical type of a teaching you're going to learn the same way that the militaries of the united states and russia were taught you're going to learn tactics and you're going to learn and understand how to get this information and actually uh document it and move on and not start creating all these crazy weird things that don't exist or letting your mind play tricks on you uh you know so um i'm going to start off with the science i'm going to be going into quantum mechanics i'm going to go into quantum physics i'm going to go into the power of the mind and how the mind generates electromagnetic waves and how those waves are specific frequencies and because every single thought you think leaves out of the skull and goes out into space-time every thought of every uh, entity in the entire universe already exists in space from the moment of their conscious explosion to as a as a embryo until where they are now so everybody who's watching this now every thought that they're thinking even right now is leaving their skull and going into space and the proof of this is i could put a cap on your head with electrodes and i can pick up those light waves that's what they are light waves of light that you can't see with your naked eye and i can send them to a computer and we can analyze them on a computer and i can see what you're thinking and so because of this just like the i love lucy shows from 1960 which are uh, light waves of radio frequencies are still traveling through space and some remote um civilization can pick those up and actually if they can decipher them they can watch i love lucy same thing with your mind this is where the akashic records is stored out in the etherical field in this universe there's this energetic grid that stores every thought all information is contained out there so we're going to go into the science of that and how it's real it's not science fiction it's science fact and how frequencies can entangle with one another through quantum entanglement and then you can, you're able to literally get downloads and information directly from the source directly from space-time how to tap into the akashic records even uh that book of life that they talk about in the bible that's talked about in the animal tablets which is where it actually started off the first term book of life was in the animal tablets 36,000 years ago uh, the akashic records the akasha and the mahabharata and all these other ancient texts these are all real they're talking about tapping into the unlimited um uh book of knowledge that exists literally all around us mm -hmm. it's all based on frequencies Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go deep into that and how it works and why the brain can do this and how it taps into it. And then once I get people understanding the science behind it so they can understand the process, then I'm going to go into an actual study group and we're going to start the process step by step, learning how to remote view. And by the end of the class, everybody's going to get a target, uh, you know, and, and then we're, they're going to have to draw that target and give me some some intel, gather intel. All they're going to get is a number. I'm consciously going to assign whatever that target is to the number. And because I've done that, that information is in space time. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. I gotcha. All they're going to get is the number. That's all they get. That was my first target was just a number. And that number, I had to figure out what it was. And what I ended up doing was um, it was archaic sketch of this huge bubble with a line coming down with a square on it at the bottom, at the top of the line and a squiggly line coming down. When I got to my target image, after I sent it in, and they sent it back to me uh, two days later, it was a balloon. It was an air balloon taking off. Isn't I was like, wow. You Incredible. just you just elucidated something, Billy, that gave me an aha moment. You talked about the fact that, it, okay, so in the process of a, a basic remote viewing session, there's gotta be a sender and you, as the uh, individual doing the remote viewing, would be the receiver, fundamentally speaking. 
without that sender uh, finding their, not finding, but uh, coming up with the target, thinking the thought, it couldn't exist because that sender is sending the information into the Akashic. That's how it's procured. Yes, exactly. That's, exactly. you know, it would, it makes perfect sense, but I hadn't thought of it that way. This is going to be extraordinary, guys. I, I really hope you sign up. I think I'd like to do this myself. It's going to be mind-blowing. <laughs> I, I know it will be. I know yeah. it will be. We're going to have to wind it down. We are going to take it over to the after show. Um, and I, I'm trying to figure out how much I want to say about what we're going to talk about. Let's just say that, <laughs> because we got to watch what we say in certain venues. I know. However, that being said, we're going to go on over to the after show because there are a lot of elements that we want to touch on. Um, that can't be said here. We've chosen not to say them here. Let's leave it at that. Uh, but let's just say that there are a lot of curious people right now that want to know what's going on. And there may be some way we can tap into what's really going on vis-a-vis -vis remote viewing, just so you know. That's what Billy is going to be talking a little bit about. Over on Patreon, I'm going to put the banner up so you can see it. Uh, and yeah, we're going to go there because I think it's time that we really start to wield our birth given powers yeah. using extra sensory perception, which by the way, to me is a misnomer. It's not extra. It's essential yeah. perception. It's time to use it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you're doing this now, Billy, give us the details again, one more time. And uh, since we're going to, we're recording this, I'll have a chance maybe to put up the event bright uh, screen for the workshop, but tell us the details. And uh, also, uh, yeah, where people can sign up. Yep. I just said it Eventbrite. So in this caption, obviously, or anywhere this video is located, it'll be an Eventbrite link. Um, we decided to use Eventbrite for the credibility, obviously. Uh, you can go to Eventbrite and you can register. It's going to be December the 5th from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. To 9, okay. 9 p.m. Uh, I added an extra hour in there because I wanted to take some time to answer a lot of questions. And so it's going to be a live event. Uh, everyone, everyone will be, everyone that's registered will be sent a packet to download and print out at home. Uh, cause you will need, uh, some, uh, some worksheets for me. So you will get, you'll get some worksheets to print out at home. You're going to need some extra pencils and paper and some, somewhere to press on and write. Uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be a very, um, interactive workshop. It's not one of those things where you just sit and listen to me talk for five hours. This time you're going to be interacting. There will be a chat room live during the actual event. So that people can um, talk back and forth on the chat group, and uh, it's going to be an amazing event. I mean, this event literally is going to be mind blowing for a lot of people, and a lot of people are going to really tap into some existing talents that they didn't know even existed there. Mm. They're going to have a great, great time. I I believe you, <laughs> just by virtue of the short chat that we had, and I know that you do everything so thoroughly, Billy. What's the capacity for this? May I ask for this event? I'm limiting it to 400 people. I don't want a thousand students at one time. Not yeah, for the first one. Lot. Yeah, 400 is manageable. I've done 400 before in interactive workshops. So if you got to get an ASAP, because once it gets to 400, we're going to stop it. Okay, okay. gotcha. So go ahead, y'all. Uh, click that link uh, in the description. I think I'm also going to have a link on the Higher Journeys website. And of course, you can always go to forbiddenknowledge.com and... Uh, and access uh, the link there. Billy's got a lot going on. So what else is new? You got a new book. I just kind of found out about it yeah. and it's called woke doesn't mean broke. I love 
<laughs> and I know people are going to be, <laughs> people are really going to want to get that. So for that, we'll also have, I believe there'll be a, a link as well. And a coupon code, Higher Journeys, all one word. Okay. Higher He's journeys. doing my work for me. Thank you. Yes. So we'll have a link for that as well. I'm so excited to be uh, working with you in this regard. So many great projects going on. Some I can't even talk about. Philly's just got so many things in the hopper, but let's take one thing at a time right now. Go sign up for that remote viewing uh, if you're interested. If you're not, you're not, but you'll hear about it. But when you find out that your neighbor signed up for it and n- knows what you're wearing next week <laughs> and knows what you're going to be a little upset that you didn't do that. Now, that's unethical. Don't even think about it. Uh, but we're going to go over to Patreon right now, Billy, and um, spill it, shall we say. No holds barred. No holds barred. So there you go. Trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, of course there is. If you like what you saw here, please do not hesitate to subscribe to Higher Journeys. Hit the like button. Smash the like button, as they say. (laughs) We do appreciate it. And it does indeed help get the word out about Higher Journeys and Billy and all the great subjects that everyone needs to know about. So we would appreciate your hitting that subscribe button. All right, Journeyers. As always, we thank you, Mr. Forbidden. Billy called me the other day, right? And so I answer, hello, Forbidden. (laughs) (laughs) That was too funny. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Well, you are synonymous with Forbidden. Forbiddenknowledge.com. Billy Carson, as always, namaste. Appreciated. Thank you so much. All right, journeyers, we shall talk to you real soon. Take good care.